0: On this episode of the Popcorn Diet, we're talking about two very different new releases that both start with the word in. That's right, we saw Infinite and In the Heights. Get your popcorn ready. Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater, popcorn, and other delicious movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing today? Doing great. Yeah?
1: Yeah, you know, it's... Uh... Another week of seeing some new movies, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Neither of these movies were necessarily on my radar going into this year, as no. far as uh, films I was anticipating. And uh, unfortunately, I with Infinite didn't have the option of seeing it in the theaters. Uh, but not I didn't given to us, I did not get an opportunity to go see In the Heights in theaters either. So I had to watch both of these from the comfort of my home, but it's still fun to to get to watch new stuff.
0: Hey, at least you own it. Number one, at least you own it. Number two, sadly, apparently a lot of people didn't go see in the Heights and theaters this past weekend. It did not do as successfully as many people anticipated. And I don't know if, if I even want to litigate it, you know, I don't even want, I know if I want to talk about the fact that, there could be multiple reasons why it isn't the case. You know, obviously it was day and date on HBO Max, but it's also a movie with no real marketable superstars besides Lin Manuel Miranda's name. Uh, it's not pre-existing IP, mm-hmm. and we're still not in a state of full openness when it comes to some of the biggest markets out there. So, it is what it is. But like you said, the fact that we just got new movies is a joy in and of itself. Um, Let's start, (laughs) Uh, rather than start high and work low, in my opinion, let's start low and work high. Let's talk about Infinite. There are a number of people who I talk to who like movies, who did not even know this movie existed. Mm. And David, you said this wasn't on your radar. How, how long ago was it that you even learned that a movie directed by Antoine Fuqua starring Mark Wahlberg, Chiatel El-Giofor, as a potential franchise starter, how long ago was it
1: when you knew this movie existed? I would say less than a month. Not a long time. About. No. And I think it was when I, I'm a Paramount Plus subscriber and I think it was when they started kind of um, broadcasting that it was going to be, be coming out. Yeah. I know there wasn't a ton of marketing around it uh, as far as, you know, the movie itself. Right. And it was supposed to come out last year in the, in the fall in August um, and then got pushed back to, to now. And then, and then they canceled the theatrical release (laughs) and I don't know if they, you know, we'll talk about the movie itself, but I don't know if the theatrical release was canceled because they watched the movie and didn't (laughs) know that it was worth putting in theaters. Right. Uh, But I do think it's good perspective to know that this was originally supposed to come out in theaters august 7th and the reason i say that is think about the movies that we typically get in august and september it's kind of where people burn (laughs) movies that didn't quite work out Um, so i think with that perspective this isn't maybe the quality that we expect for a uh, a summer movie flick at this point in june Uh, because it's rough it's it's it's, it's rough tough. let's not let's not let's not hide the bury the lead here i mean we're talking about 16% on <laughs> rotten tomatoes yes average rating of like 4.1 i mean you go down the the list like it's it's brutal out there it's it's pretty difficult to find any positive uh, reviews out there on infinite i
0: tried i tried looking at specifically when the trailer was released, I believe that you're right. Like from everything that I've seen, the the trailer for infinite was released like three weeks ago, mm-hmm. which is crazy to me. Like, I, I don't, we're, we're used to this. Where you? I, <laughs> there's just a lot of weird things about this movie. You know, like, like you said, it's a bit of a chicken before the egg type question, mm-hmm. which is, Did they put this movie on Paramount Plus because they knew it was so bad and or did nobody want to watch it because it was on Paramount Plus? Like, it's just so weird the way that they marketed this movie. Like, I'm used to getting a like I'm used to being marketed to getting a trailer sometimes as far as a year out, you know, and to put a trailer out two, three weeks before a movie's released, Mm -hmm. you're kind of setting it up to fail anyways, but you would agree this is all guys we usually like. This is all like Mark Wahlberg. I think you and I can both agree that he might not be the strongest actor out there, but we usually enjoy what he's doing, right? Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's he's an actor that I feel like you generally know what you're going to get from him. You know and, and there's some there's some caveats to that. I would say the fighter would be an exception to the rule in sure. the sense that the fighter is like a legit, I would say, Oscar type level film. Right. Um, same with
0: that, same with like, and I know it was like one of his debuts, but same with Boogie Nights, right? Like yep,
1: yep, absolutely.
0: Like he has the capacity. To be good, really good. He's an Academy Award nominee for The Departed, which, frankly, I feel was just because, like, boy, did that lean into all of his strengths. Mm -hmm. And and he's been trying to change. Now he's just, like, if you watch Mile 22, he's basically trying to do Dignum, but as a lead character in an action movie sometimes. Like, I don't know that the fast-talking asshole is a sustainable career model. Sure. Um, but like Antoine Fuqua, we're talking about a guy who's put together some uh, again, not like we're not talking like world-changing movies, but he dude directed training day, dude directed both equalizer movies, mm-hmm. Magnificent Seven. Like again, we're not talking world changers here, but these are movies that we enjoy. These are movies that are pretty darn good. Um, that are mostly well-received and i would go so far as to say that this is maybe his worst movie what would you say about that
1: i mean i don't know where your maybe <laughs> is coming from
0: well he did a couple like he did uh brooklyn's finest not the great movie. not the greatest movie uh i mean shit even his bad movies like shooter and olympus has fallen are like awesome
1: (laughs) watch it watch it (laughs) they're awesome they're not listen ain't nobody's ain't nobody great but here's the thing is I think you could draw a lot of comparisons between Antoine Fuqua's career and Mark Wahlberg's in the sense of they've both had some really good highs yes as far as performance as well as the movie that they're in um you know Wahlberg's been the departed Boogie knights mm-hmm. fighter, but they've also done plenty of like, let's not give a whole lot of thought to this. Let's cash a check. Let's have some good action. Let's have some good violence. Let's right. You know, we're, we're not going to stress too much over things. And I think you look at Fuqua's and it's like, no one's going to claim Olympus has fallen is some masterpiece or right. You know, even something with, with um, you know, Denzel and the Equalizer movies. Like, yeah, those are those are great, great movies. But no one's going to be crying for them to get credit in you know any awards circles. Or yeah, like they're that.
0: they're pulp. They're pulp movies. They're good yeah. pulp movies, but they're pulp movies.
1: Yeah. So. I will also say I'm one of the few people that, like, really enjoyed. His King Arthur as well for for whatever reason.
0: Good cast if nothing else in that (laughs) King Arthur. Great cast in that King Arthur. Not a bad movie by any means. Um, I really enjoyed his Magnificent Seven. A lot of people Mm -hmm. I think felt that that was subpar but like you put that cast together in a western, I'm in. Sign me up. So this movie has a pretty rad premise and again for those of you who are worrying about spoilers, we're just going to talk about the movie. So, if you want to see Infinite, it's on Paramount Plus right now. Literally, that's the only way you can see it. So, stop the podcast and go watch it. It's, I would recommend maybe doing other things. But this premise, admittedly, is pretty cool. Like, this premise for this movie is saying that there has been this ongoing war between people who are referred to as infinites. And that is because they are, there's not many of them in the world who are whose souls are reincarnated and who carry on the education and experiences and skills of the previous lives that they lived. And there's two warring factions. There's the believers who are the ones who are like cool, we're going to do this to to better the world. We're gonna do this to try and make things better. And then there's I can't remember what the name of the bad guys were. Do you remember what the name of them were? Like the zealots or the
1: yeah, I don't remember the name. Obviously, they're led it, by our they're boy led by that
0: or by our boy Chutel hmm But they want the world they like are in misery. They are tired of living their life over and over again.
1: I think don't they go by like Bathurst? Well, his name
0: is his name is Bathurst.
1: But I think they all go by that because isn't one of his henchmen like Bathurst, 1985?
0: No, that's just his. And see, now we're getting into it. That's his previously reincarnated life. Ah, that's right. That's the one who's that's Boy, this
1: movie. That's the one. Listen, (laughs) real, real quick caveat. I know you gave the spoiler alert. I don't know that we could spoil this movie even if we try, because I don't know if any of what we're going to say even is going to make sense.
0: It's not it's nonsense. But like, again, (laughs) the concept is cool. Like you're talking about these souls that are fighting throughout time, one trying to better the world, the other trying to destroy all life because living these constant lives and experiences is basically hell. And like, that's interesting But this movie just doesn't work. And why do you like it wastes a weirdly talented cast like Mark? And I'm going to try not to say like so many times because I know I am on a tangent right now. But Mark Wahlberg is so (laughs) terribly cast as this haunted guy who is apparently like schizophrenic. And he's just Mark Wahlberg. Like, there's nothing in him. There's no way that a mentally unstable schizophrenic dresses like Mark Wahlberg's character dresses, looks like Mark Wahlberg's character looks, is as jacked as he is, and literally it's like the only scar on his body is the word that he carved in his torso. Look inside. Completely miscast. But, like, here's,
1: the th- but here's the thing is that I don't think, he wasn't actually schizophrenic, right? Because that was how it was like diagnosed. Right. Because he had all these different memories that he couldn't explain but felt real, which led him to, you know, be a little bit more unstable or, or whatever the case may be. A fair, a but fair yes. point. But a fair yes, point. Mark Wahlberg, you know, even go back to the movies that we talked about that he's great in the departed, the, the fighter. Yeah. Like even in the fighter, if you think about that, like Christian Bale is the flashy acting, you know, right. display in there, like Walberg's basically playing and he plays it. Well, the, you know, the just typical boxer, who's got a crazy brother who's trying to keep his family together while still focusing on his career. Like he plays that well, but that's right. like a pretty I don't want to say straightforward because I don't want to knock his performance and, and underplay it. Cause I think he does a great job in that movie. Sure. Like there's, it's not a real complex character. Like no. Christian Bale has the difficult <laughs> character in that movie. Right. And, you know, I think when you look at this film, like for a lead that's supposed to have all this like internal conflict and things like that, like Wahlberg basically has the same, facial expression the entire movie and and I think it's the same facial expression he has in all his movies, you know. It's just, just
0: like kind of frustrated, a little confused.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> you know, I think the the place for Wahlberg to stretch himself is in the comedy side of things, you know, like with the TEDs and yeah. some of that. Because I think he does really well in those situations. I don't know that this was it, you know, and and I know it wasn't originally cast As Mark Wahlberg, originally it was Chris Evans. Right. And as I think about it, I think Chris Evans definitely would have been a better Evan McCauley. Yes. uh, Character. Because
0: let me me read this real quickly. Evan McCauley possesses skills he has never learned and memories of places he has never visited, which haunt his daily life. Self-medicated and on the brink of mental breakdown, Evan is sought by a secret group who call themselves Infinites. Does any of that describe how he's playing it? Like, do you, do you ever like he's do you ever get the sense that he absolutely needs his medication or that he's haunted? Like, you don't, you just no. don't. Like, it, it's it's not great. But again, beyond Mark Wahlberg, if I don't know about you, but it feels like this movie wastes a pretty good cast. Like again. Uh, you mentioned Bathurst, 1985. You watched this movie and you weren't even sure what that means. And that's Rupert Friend, who is not a, sh- a schlub by any sense. Like that dude's in Homeland. Home- Homeland. Exactly. Yeah. He's going to be in the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. He's in the French Dispatch. Mm-hmm. He was in A Simple Favor. Like this dude, like Rupert Friend is a legit actor.
1: Toby Jones,
0: that dude's in it for like three minutes and you never really get the idea of what he is. Toby Jones is Toby Jones is fantastic. He's in this movie for two scenes in a library that he never leaves. (laughs) Even Dylan O'Brien. And I'm not, listen, I'm not the head of the Dylan O'Brien fan club, but Dylan O'Brien has been like the lead in several movies. Mm -hmm. If you tweet, if you look on Twitter he was the only thing trending about this movie. The Dylan O'Brien hive is out in force for nice. any any screen time that he gets. Nice. But he's again, it just feels like he's wasted. It feels like everybody is disconnected. Even my guy, Jason Manzukis, who is one of my favorite dudes out here, who is still the best part of this movie, is like somewhat subdued. I don't, yeah. how, I don't they it just It feels like they weirdly wasted the cast. What are your thoughts on that?
1: No, I would agree. I think... Okay, so this movie was compared or the script was even described as Wanted meets The Matrix, which I think is actually a a fairly good comparison. And if we think back to those movies, you think of Wanted, right? So Wanted, you know, we get this kind of secret society of of hitmen who... Um, you know kind of work in every day you know we're supposed to believe they're kind of behind the scenes They're this organization there's the whole right. you know goofy thing about how like this big sewing machine basically tells us who's needs to be killed next basically you know to to do a very short one minute summary of wanted sorry for those that haven't <laughs> seen it but it has some Matrix vibes as well with uh-huh. the whole concept of uh, James McAvoy's character being recruited to this society. And, you know, Matrix obviously goes a lot more sci-fi than wanted and goes with, you know, obviously we don't need to I don't need to recap Matrix, hopefully for most people at this point. But I, think I would hope not. The, I think the difference between both of those movies that I would call pretty successful, obviously Matrix much more than Wanted, but I think Wanted was was pretty well received too, is that in the case of Wanted, where we only got one movie, and I know it, there was rumors that we'd get a second of Wanted, but in the case of Wanted, where we only got one movie, it was pretty easy to quickly grasp the world that we were in because right. most of the world that we were in was... normal world and and that would be true about this movie too like these people operate within the normal world but there wasn't so many different layers like the only weird thing in there was this you know sewing machine that apparently (laughs) told them who to kill yeah that was the only weird thing about it and everything else was pretty much like Let's train them, you know, how to bend bullets and and different things like that. Right. Um, and in The Matrix, they gave us enough to understand, I mean, The Matrix spent a lot of the movie actually explaining. And I felt like the problem with this movie is it tried to go like Matrix level, like complexity and just like aspects of their world. Mm-hmm. But they tried to do what, Matrix did in three movies in one movie. And furthermore, they tried to mix in more action than what the Matrix had in their single movie. And let's not forget, The Matrix, I think, was well over two hours. This movie was an hour and 46, which you and I usually don't complain about movies being a tidy 146. Yeah, no, usually it's good. But in this case, it's like something had to give. You either got to stop adding in more like rules and weird stuff to this. Right. Or you've got to give us more time or you got to cut out some of the action so we can actually know what the heck is going on in this world. There was just and, a lot
0: of questions. Yeah. And it's just it. everything. Nothing feels connected. Everything feels half-baked. There are characters who are in entire scenes that don't feel connected to each other. You know, like... Liz Carr, who plays character of Garrick, who is in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I was actually like interested because you don't see that, you know, you don't usually see um, actors with disabilities given too many roles in, in modern blockbusters. So like credit where credits too, you know, they get, and she's been an advocate for dis, uh, disabled actors and things like that, but she has her wheelchair and, and, and is like basically the Morpheus
1: mm-hmm. of the movie kind of. Yep. I would And agree. then
0: the, and then the last we see her is she had for is bathhurst, who I will just refer to as bathhurst
1: mm-hmm. from
0: now on, because I love my guy, but that's a mouthful every time. Yep. Uh, threatening her. Like we have all of her people kneeling on the ground. I'm going to kill this person, whatever. You never see her again. Nope. I don't know what happened to her you know Toby Jones like we said is in one scene where he's making a call with somebody and the next thing he's in he's dead and it's like what is happening nothing feels connected there are entire parts of this movie where it's just hard to understand how this world works you have some people who say oh they don't know their past life um, before puberty once they hit puberty then they start getting the flashes again but then bathurst gets it immediately when he's born and conceived and his brain is already like that's what he says that's what's driving him like mad in,
1: in the womb i can see these memories and right I, and, I, I,
0: and marky mark is his are repressed his aren't coming out and they say well you got in a car accident blah 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 but it's just why none of it is ever described why they're like here are the rules they say here are the rules and then they introduced inconsistencies
1: to those rules mm-hmm. and they never answer why. Well, and I think the other thing about, because the other movie that I kind of had memories of when watching this was The Old Guard. Yes. Which again, another movie that we got in pandemic, um, even though you know we're kind of on the tail end of pandemic now, right? but was a movie that was a little out there in its concept, right? These these immortal people that live and, you know, are involved in all these major world history events and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then the whole concept of, you know, trying to access that ability to live forever and that kind of stuff. Like there was definitely some concepts to it, but it was, at the end of the day, everything made sense. Like it was still, you know, fiction obviously and, and, and science fiction to some degree but it was still like easy to understand and, and operated within its rules with maybe mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of issues here or there. But for the most part, operated okay within its rules. Like in this one, like the other thing that was the difficult aspect of it is like, I don't know who was an infinite and who wasn't. Like were all the people in that place with Garrick and and all of that that he ends up with? are all of those people infinite? And I think so you know, I would assume so, but then there's also the concept of, you know, Bathurst is, you know, obviously hunting all these people down to some degree right? while he also pursues this egg, which also, you know, maybe I missed it and I'll, and I'll own up to the fact that like, I struggled watching this movie and, (laughs) and really being like fully engaged to every line reading and everything that happened. But like, I didn't. I don't know. Was there any explanation to where this egg came from? How it was created? So the the idea of the egg
0: is that it is doomsday device. It's basically yeah. It's I, basically I a that. Thanos snap,
1: right? Sure, sure. Got that.
0: Um, it literally turns people to dust when they show it how it works. It, it's
1: like oh it's, uh, yeah. Thanos. I don't. I don't feel so good.
0: Yeah. It's it's bye bye Spider Man. Yeah. Um. Now here comes a moment where I may replicate one of my least favorite things in other film podcasts, which is where the hosts are confused by a concept and the listener, usually myself is like, I understood that perfectly. I can tell you exactly where in the movie this, this happened. You just didn't watch the movie. Okay. Now comes my nightmare of now having that flipped because my understanding is, is that Bathurst and his team created it and yet somehow I think they say it in a line or two a throwaway line they are incapable of recreating it like they made it like this was his life's mission and then but yet it got stolen and they were unable to recreate it because something because the the scientists who recreated it got like murked because I don't know. I honestly don't know, well, but it, so it that makes it even worse. Like you recreated it, but now it's stolen. So you can't recreate it again. I,
1: I don't know. So, so I can, I can, I did some quick research going into this. So okay. in a previous life, when he was a believer named Heinrich Treadway, um, that's Evan. Yep, that's the Dylan O'Brien character. Yes, that's Marky He's, Mark. He stole the egg. And now Bathurst is trying to get it back. There's still... There's still not a whole lot of explanation as far as how it was created, why they can't create it again. Right. Like, there's, there's really not a whole lot there. It's just we're kind of made to believe that it was created but there's not a whole lot of details outside of that and i don't think that's something where we weren't paying attention close enough like i think it's just something that we're supposed to just accept right, right? like we're just supposed to accept that the believers and the nihilists those are the two groups by the way because um, all of them are infinites and half of them are the believers and, and half nihilists yep yeah. um And so the believers are the ones who use their powers to protect human society. The nihilists are basically people that believe their powers are a curse, so they want to end the cycle of rebirth to do this. They have developed a technology to transplant a person's soul into a sort of USB stick so it won't keep reincarnating. Right. They've also developed a magical egg that will that when put into a bomb will wipe out all of life, leaving no bodies behind. Cause that was the other aspect is, so there was this egg, but it had to basically be blown up like a bomb. Right. To it, go into action and to start destroying all life. So, yeah. I mean, like, again, like it's just, I, there's just things just don't,
0: Plot-wise, the thing is a mess. Creatively, the thing is a mess. Like, Mark Wahlberg's voiceover in this movie is hilarious. And it, it almost leans into, like, this movie's so bad that you have to watch it. But the worst idea ever made was, let's give Mark Wahlberg a voiceover, number one. I, I don't know, man. It's just, it, there was other things, too, like, does being an infinite give people superpowers? What what exactly are the benefits of being an infinite? Like you live all your past lives, cool, and you have all those experiences, cool. But what if those experiences were like nothing? You know, what if you're like, Wahlberg was a sword maker in one of his previous lives. And apparently him and Bathurst have been fighting through generations and they were old friends and whatnot. But the end of the movie, and again, I don't know where the movie gets the audacity to say we're going to go fast and furious. We are going to have Mark Wahlberg jump a motorcycle off a cliff, land on a plane. Planes do not fly slowly, David. Planes fly very, very fast. And yet Mark Wahlberg manages to stand on top of the plane with no issues. And it's like this big moment of like, oh
1: my gosh, he is infinite. I, what does that mean? Well, and I did catch them talking about like, you know, that humans and are capable of more than they realize. And it's unlocking that potential that's down there. And it takes believing and things like that. And so like that was the moment of like him believing that he was more powerful than he knew and, you know, yeah, <laughs> Okay,
0: <laughs> it, it did. But, but then again, it takes like a conceptual idea where it's like humans are more than they like can be more. And it's like, Oh yeah, that's nice. Like, Oh, we can make the world a better place. We can be kind to one another. Like sure. we can be unified together in a common goal of like wanting just to be better and build a better society. Like, Oh yeah. Humans, you know, through, through multiple reincarnations, we can learn to be better. That's what it makes it but, sound like, and then at the end it's like, oh no no you we mean
1: superpowers, and I'm but like that's nonsense. The the funny part about it though is it's it's like your this is going back to the Matrix reference. It's it's like the free your mind speech from from Morpheus, right? Like A like free your mind, like realize that you can go beyond the limits and the constraints. But all we get literally out of him, I'm gonna go freeing his mind is that he, he stands up on the plane and gets into the plane. Like, right? that's the effect of his powers. Everything else from that point on is back to he's just a normal human being fighting And he falls batters. off the plane and hits the water and dies and then turns into a young Which, Asian teenager. Pr- pro- props to them for having him die in the fall because I'm like, I don't care if it is water. If you fall from, we'll call it 10,000 feet, you're dead into the water. You're dead. Like yeah. I don't care that it's water. You're dead at that point. It's basically concrete. Right. You fall from that high. So props to them for not having him somehow survive that that plane crash. But yeah, and then you know I'm okay with things like the gun that somehow puts people's puts souls control. onto a USB. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. But then I have so many questions about like he has like this whole collection of them. Right. And I don't know if those are like trophies on his mantle or whether it's supposed to give us the idea that like, if you get those USBs back, they can get like plugged back into the matrix. I'm just going to go full matrix at this point. Well, they
0: blew them up. So like, does that mean they're just released into the, into the universe? Yeah, it does. I, I, I think, and this is another point where it's like the bad guy wants to end all life. He wants to stop the reincarnation process. And yet he is holding a gun that effectively stops the reincarnation process. So why doesn't he just shoot himself in the head?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's that's exactly what I was thinking at one point. I'm like, if you're so tortured by this, just shoot yourself with your own USB gun. Like unless there's unless off screen there's some like downloading process where you got to like plug the usb into your computer to like fully get the soul into the usb i don't know
0: because Wahlberg shoots him in the back of the head as they're falling into the ocean and apparently that means he's not going to reincarnate again
1: it's true and who doesn't love the big bad of a movie dying where we the viewer see it from about I'd say a hundred feet off where like, I couldn't even make out their faces. There's no emotional, while it was happening. There's (laughs) no emotional impact to his quote unquote death. And again,
0: if that was Mark, the only, I think maybe they say something about like, if you're on the USB, like it's like torture, like you're in prison or blah, 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 which okay. But like, again, if the hero triumphs over the villain and kills the villain by shooting him in the head, and the
1: villain just wanted to die. What are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah, that, that was the weird thing too, is like all these people in the Nihilists wanted to end the world because they felt the powers were a curse, but it's like... Right. If, if you feel like the powers are a curse, like if you just do whatever you need to do to end... Like, why do you have to bring everybody down with you? Not even, like, they're wanting to not just bring down all the infinites with themselves. They want to end all down life. The entire life. And it's like, I don't know. It just, it's one of those things where, like, you have this big bad that wants to do this thing, and we're, we're going to throw a MacGuffin in there, too, for, for, for good measure. And what they're trying to do doesn't, match their end goal like it doesn't seem to and that's one of the biggest issues in this movie right is it doesn't their motivation for doing what they are doing doesn't really match up to me
0: no it's it's not the most effective plan but regardless so with all that being said let's talk about the popcorn ratings for infinite what's that noise popcorn popcorn uh-huh I only eat popcorn at the movies. Now if you've never listened to an episode before we do our ratings a little bit differently. We have a scale of popcorns in which we like to grade movies. Burnt popcorn means don't waste your time this movie is garbage. literally avoid it at all costs. stale popcorn means I guess if you're in a pinch you can have it but it's not the greatest thing in the world. Microwave popcorn means your mileage may vary. Uh, Some people really love microwave popcorn. Some people don't find it very satisfying. It's fine. Then we have movie theater popcorn, which means you should probably go see this in the movie theater. If you can, if you can safely, go check this out on the movie theater when you got a chance. And then perfect popcorn means go see this on the biggest screen that you possibly can. David, what is your popcorn rating for Infinite?
1: This was this was a tough one. <laughs> this this may be my lowest rating <laughs> of one that we've done. Oh boy. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go burnt popcorn and a soda.
0: And a soda. We throw a soda in between if we don't want to give it the full burnt popcorn experience. That is easily the lowest rating anybody has ever given on this podcast.
1: I honestly don't know. So, like, whenever I think through these ratings, a lot of it is, like, who would I recommend this movie to? Sure. And if I can't come up with a persona of a person that I would recommend this movie to, then I got to start at the bottom and work my (laughs) way up. And there's not a person that I know that I'm like, Hey, this is your type of movie. Like, I think you'll really enjoy this. Like, cause here's the thing. There's a lot of action in it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that any of the action is like particularly memorable. Like it's also not bad, but you're right. It's not particularly memorable. Like I think of like, and this is going to be a deep cut. Um, what was the, uh, Christian Bale movie with the swords? because I'm e- going sword Equilibrium? Equilibrium. With guns,
0: like, not the... Oh, well, it did have swords, I yeah, guess. Yeah,
1: it's the sword is a famous part of it. Equilibrium's dope. <laughs> that movie has plenty of issues itself, some similar issues to this movie. Yes. But the action is so fantastic that it's like it is worth seeing for that action. And the problem is, I would call the action solid, but nothing memorable, like... Is there a scene that immediately jumps out that you're like, oh that was a that was a fun action scene or that was a great action scene? Like no, all no. of it felt all of it felt like repurposed like canned action from things that we've seen before. Right. Um, even though we were dealing with these supposed like higher beings to some degree, like um, there's a car chase with a like a like a literal superhero car, like a Batmobile
0: that's again, it's fine. The final yeah. fight on the airplane
1: is fine. We've seen everything done better. Yeah. So, like, that's where I'm, like, I don't think I can even recommend this for the action. Obviously, despite the cast, I'm not recommending it for the acting. So <laughs> it's, like, what am I recommending for at this point? And the only reason I give it a soda is it's only an hour and 46 minutes. Yeah. It's something new to watch. Yeah. I- <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll stop talking. I think my point's been made. Your point's been made. I am also giving it a fairly low grade, but I'm going to give it stale popcorn, which is the, the, I'll tell you the person who I thought to recommend this to was, was our good friend of the podcast, our CEO, Brian McLaughlin. Uh, I, I mentioned it last week. He watched it. I talked to him very briefly today and he also said, eh, and if Brian's going to give it an eh, <laughs> it's not It's not very good at all. It's just, like, the best part about this movie is Chiatel 4 is chewing up scenery left and right, and he's great, well, and he's always great. But here's
1: the thing, too, is, like, you can make an action movie, but, like, don't make me feel like I have to be glued into the TV listening to every piece of dialogue to understand what's going on. Like, the best part of, like, your popcorn action movies is like, I don't really got to pay attention because Mm -hmm. I'm here for the action scenes and that's it. And I think I went into this movie thinking that and like 30 minutes in the movie, I felt like I might need to start it over because, and I actually went back like 10 minutes in the film because I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here. Yes. (laughs) So that it's, that's where it's such a conflict is like, it's trying to be like, this this movie that's got all this like intricate stories and and background to it but then it wants to be a dumb action movie too so it's yeah it's just tough it's, it's it's rough
0: it's tough it's not what you want um we're going to talk about what i think to be a slightly better movie in the heights but we're going to do so after we take a quick little break What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider... Become a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also going to give you exclusive patron-only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills, episodes, and more. So check that out by going to Patreon.com/slash/ThePopcornDiet. Of course. We don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. All right, we're back. David, do you have any favorite musicals? Are you a musicals guy? I don't get the feeling that you're a musicals guy.
1: I wouldn't classify myself as a musicals guy because it's not like I go and seek out watching musicals or attending musicals. Let um, me ask you that, a question. That being, that being said, sorry to cut you off there. That's okay. I have enjoyed, I've gone and seen Broadway shows and I have enjoyed every single one that I've gone. Like I have not not enjoyed the experience it's just not something that i would say i go out of my way to seek out although last time i was in new york i i made it a point um Allie, my wife and i we went and saw book of mormon so not quite your, <laughs> not quite the same type of thing that we're going to be talking about here but um i do enjoy going and seeing uh a broadway show when i'm in new york or that would
0: you would you consider me a musicals guy
1: I'm an outside perspective. I think you I think you are a low key musicals guy. Like I don't think you run around going out of your way, you know, talking about musicals or even necessarily (laughs) going and attending musicals. But I feel like I think not unsimilar, not dissimilar to myself. When you do see them, you really enjoy them. And I would go a step further with you. Because of your love of scores and the music to movies and things like that, I feel like when you go and see a musical that you really enjoy, like that's your soundtrack for like the next couple of weeks. Uh, yes. Like I remember when Phantom came out as a movie, <laughs> and you—that was like your jam. That was for, my jam. Quite a bit, and I was
0: like, I am also a talented but scarred person. <laughs> Uh, but no, to me.
1: <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, we're talking about in the Heights. And so there's a lot of crossover with Hamilton. But yes, um, my wife is watched Hamilton more times. She's probably creeping up on my viewings of Oceans 11 Ooh. with her Hamilton viewings. But a uh, lot. it is a lot. But uh, it's kind of her background noise uh, at times for and I enjoyed that. I did watch that. Yep. And one of my favorite childhood movies growing up was newsies another uh, shout out to christian bale
0: yeah i wasn't gonna do like a top 10 like what are your favorite musicals but i'm the same like newsies was one of my favorites um little shop of horrors incredible all the muppet movies are musicals essentially um you know there's some of the really old school ones you know uh uh
1: singing in the rain yep you know one of the best i i You know, and I mean, you even got something like uh, I don't think it's what people immediately think of when it comes to musicals, but like Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins, Hairspray
0: Uh, there. But you're right, like even not great musicals usually have the songs, you know, the toe tappers, even a movie like Rock of Ages, which is a jukebox musical Mm still has got the toe tappers. Yeah, even I mean. As much as I hate uh almost everything about Le the movie, the way it was directed, <laughs> and I know that's controversial. Um, I still there's still a few songs in there that are just like bangers, it's just like whatever it is. Well, I have a Spotify playlist that's like show tunes.
1: Yeah, and I'm and the thing is is some of these two, I I think the movies just don't do them justice. So like people that are listening to this that may be big fans of musicals and and Broadway shows, most of what we're going to talk about today too, especially is our experience with these are primarily their cinematic version. And so a lot of these shows I or movies I imagine are really good on Broadway and there's a reason why they're super successful. Example I'm going to go to, you saw it in theaters, I did not, Cats
0: boy boy oh boy holy shit i blame cats for literally a covid like i blame cats cats came out december of 2019 and everything has been garbage ever since then like we played we flew too close to the sun this is what we get this is what we've earned also same director as les mis so yes i ask all of this david to ask you how you liked in the Heights, because in the Heights is a movie that was supposed to come out last year. Mm-hmm. It's got the Lin Manuel Miranda. You know he's he's hot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually learned when when Hamilton was you know on the rise, because I'm not I'm not the biggest Broadway like historian. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't keep up with the Tonys the same way that I keep up with the Oscars. But Hamilton was a full blown phenomenon. Still is a full blown. Yeah. Cultural phenomenon, And so when I looked up Lin-Manuel Miranda, I was like, oh, where did this, you know, guy come from, this out of nowhere guy? Mm-hmm. Turns out, not out of nowhere, about a decade before Hamilton, he makes In the Heights and wins a bunch of Tonys and is one of the most beloved Broadway musicals of the last 20 years or so. And they are, we're going to make it a movie. And we're going to have it be set in the real world Washington Heights. We're going to have it. They're going to film it there. They're going to film all over New York. They got John M. Chu, who directed Crazy Rich Asians. That guy can direct a movie, if I can be honest. Um, To make it, they even got Anthony Ramos, who played John Lawrence in Hamilton, to play the role that Lin-Manuel originated on Broadway. Um, Were you familiar with In the Heights? I was only familiar with In the Heights in that I listened to the song 96,000 on a loop for like two weeks straight.
1: I had no knowledge of In the Heights prior to the movie. Okay, um, so I was coming in, didn't even know what it was about coming in, and okay. so I, I knew nothing. I did a little bit before I turned it on, looking of like who's in this. Obviously, saw the the Miranda crossover and then obviously that led to me seeing okay there's a lot of people from hamilton that are in this movie um and so saw that connection but didn't know much about this and and didn't realize that uh like obviously um lin-manuel miranda is a crazy talented dude this guy can do yes. a lot of different things yes he's an actor singer songwriter rapper producer obviously one of the same characteristics of hamilton in this is is the rapping that is in the movie right um but this is a guy that was brought in by disney to do work on moana Uh and a couple of the star wars movies and mary poppins returns like like he's not just like he does the music for his movies like he blew up super talented that he was brought into a lot of different things.
0: Yeah, he blew up for sure, and that, and then and Hamilton made him like a super duper star. Yep. Like they got every, but Disney Disney went all in on the Lin Manuel.
1: Like plan. He's he's getting almost more work on the music side. Not not almost. He is getting a ton of work on the music side. Yeah. Um. You look he, at like his upcoming projects, and he's doing stuff for Little Mermaid. He's uh-huh. doing stuff. For a Lionsgate movie, he's doing uh, a Sony movie music, um, all sorts of things, whether he's doing, uh, you know, contributions to the score or Mm -hmm. to a specific song or the overall music. Uh, Yeah, yeah, he's definitely, you know, completely blown up at this point.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and that's what they marketed this on. That's what they marketed this movie on is this is – This is, it's Lin-Manuel. Like, he's the guy. This is the guy. This was what it was all marketed on. So, obviously, you can watch this movie on HBO Max right now. You can go in. I would encourage you to go to the movie theater to watch it. Support movie theaters. Go watch this movie. But with with no worries about spoilers, David, how'd you like
1: it? Well, and I think this is a movie that it's tough to spoil. I mean, it's not like it's built on. Right. A bunch of reveals and things like that.
0: Right. It's not really from- a plot forward. You know, it's no, about it's-, it's about life in Washington Heights and it's about the the idea of gentrification and the idea of culture and holding on to that culture. But it's not about like, you know, does Usnavi live or die at the end? Like no sure. that's not what it's about, you know. Exactly. He lives. Exactly.
1: Yep. That's never a uh, question. I enjoyed it. I thought the cast was great in it. Um I enjoyed our boy. Um, oh, now I'm blanking on his name, and I'm calling him our boy Jimmy uh, Corey.
0: Oh, Corey Hawkins.
1: Corey Hawkins mm-hmm. from uh, straight out of Compton, 24. Straight out of Compton. Yep. All those movies yeah. or the movies and shows. So, we got two. Um,
0: we wait, wait. What's? Hold on. Keep going. Keep your thoughts. I want to look some. No, up. I
1: I enjoyed him in there i thought all the casts worked really well and 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 was well done from that standpoint and you know it's they, always they hard they were to...
0: both in 24 legacy
1: <laughs> it's, him and, it's him and jimmy smiths yeah it's really difficult to performances in musicals have always been somewhat difficult to me because obviously you go in and out of the music so often that like it's hard to really evaluate like the emotion of scenes because sure every time a scene starts getting emotional, it goes into a song, you know? Right. So from that standpoint, like I enjoyed the story, like you said, how it mixes, you know, a story that we've seen before, but just kind of the, the idea of, you know, a neighborhood that's you know, changing and right. the 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 families and the lives that are affected by that. You know, we think of like areas getting nicer and better and things like that. The idea of dreams, um, and all the different you know kind of themes that are running through this. Uh, but I think it, uh, when you talk about a musical, you have to really evaluate it first and foremost on the music. And I and I enjoyed the music overall. Um, I think it's a long movie, like. Mm-hmm. It's almost two and a half hours long so for right. me which most musicals usually are because they're adapted from long shows yep yep so for me i was probably like could have done without like two songs like shorten <laughs> it up a little bit but uh, other than that i enjoyed it i it's a it's a pretty straightforward story it's the characters are enjoyable i enjoy the music overall i like mm-hmm. um I'm trying to think of what would probably be my favorite song.
0: I was going to ask you, what's your favorite song or sequence out of it? Do you think I know what mine is? I mean, yeah. I, ha- I have two, but I-, I know what mine are.
1: I actually really enjoy the the title one, the in the Heights, the in the Heights. Song. It's very yeah. good.
0: It's very good. How about good. you? My favorite. I mean, my stone cold favorite is 96,000. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that song in general. It's usually musicals have types of songs and one of them is the I have a dream song, right? It's the moment mm-hmm. where the characters are like, this is what I want. It's, you know, all that crap. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is, except it's it's all the characters. And it's I love the way that that song layers all of their different parts on top of each other. Like, it's mm-hmm. just such a rhythmic song. And then I watched the making of and they shot that entire thing at an actual public pool. Which you got like you got for all of the CGI nightmare that Cats was. Yeah. This kept it practical a ton of the time, and yeah. I love that song. But I also liked uh, the uh, the, gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow it, but the Paciencia de Ife, I think, okay. yep. which is the bolita song. Mm-hmm. That's easily the most. um Broadway-esque, it feels very theatrical in the way that it For is sure. staged and in the way they use lighting and actors. That's the other thing that I think is really creative is that all the musical numbers are a little bit different. This this movie, by the very nature of being a musical, exists in this little fantasy world where people can break out in song and nobody thinks it's weird. Um, but I really love the variety in the musical numbers. I love the variety that there are some that it's just Great choreography, it's uh, really high energy performances and great filmmaking. And then there are others uh, like *Abuelita's Song* that are really all about the technical aspect of it. There's that one part where she grabs the the pillar of light and it turns into the the bar on the subway train. That's just great filmmaking. Sure. Um, and then there's *When the Sun Goes Down*, which is where they do their very traditional fantasy dance along the side of a building. Yep. It's just good stuff, man. Like it's just really enjoyable all the way around. And like you said, it's hard to judge the performances, but at the same time, like I think everybody does a good job. I think there are certain characters that I liked more than others. I, at the risk of sounding like a chauvinist pig, I, I didn't really connect with either of the two female characters. You know, and I don't think that's I'm not saying that just because it's. I'm a male. It's just I don't know that they were given a ton of fleshed out material. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Anthony Ramos could be a super duper star uh, like that guy. There were actually arguments about how he wasn't a good fit for Usnavi because he's too cool. Like he's too suave. And I thought that was interesting. And then. You know the the lady who played Abuela, the Olga Merides, um, she originated that role on Broadway. Crushes it here. She got a, it got a little dusty for me with some of her stuff, and then my boy Jimmy Smith's always great. Literally never never look at Jimmy Smith and be like, oh, Jimmy Smith is here. I'm not excited. So I had a good time with it. Like it's not perfect, like you said, it's over long, um, and like like I said, like I wanted to see. I kind of wanted, I mean, it's the very nature of the show, right? Like I wanted to see more of the hairdresser trio. Like I liked them. I wanted more of them. Um, and they were, I mean, listen, they were good, yeah. you know, but I wanted a little bit more. Uh, and it stood, I mean, they directed the hell out of it. You know, like the, I think that's one of the most important things we said is like this movie looks fantastic and it's very creative for a modern day musical. yeah, And the way that they do some of the uh, choreography and they do like little animations and stuff. Again, that's one of the reasons why I think I encourage people to go see it on a big screen. I really, really overall enjoyed it very much. This is not one that you can get into and break down like the plot as much as like, I'm not gonna get into an argument about how, you know, uh, Nina, is it Nina? stanford yeah girl yeah like i'm not gonna get into the you know oh it's stupid that she didn't just tell her father what to do or i'm not gonna get Mm -hmm. into why like again it's purely like this is a broad broadway musical but usnavi and vanessa go on this date and then proceed to dance with everybody but themselves and i'm just like Why, why are we, why are we being dicks? Like, why are we being jerks to one another? I don't know, maybe it's a cultural thing, but like plot wise, it's a a good story. Like it's a good story about that culture, you know, it's a good story about who you are and
1: celebrating who you are. Well, and I think that's the thing with a lot of Broadway shows and, and adapted film and that kind of thing. Like you can't, you don't have the same opportunities when you're doing something on Broadway that you have in film right Right. there's certain things you can show emotion that you can create things like that that are more difficult obviously on the stage and so when you take something that was made for the stage and turn it into a movie Mm -hmm. like there's a balance like do we want to completely neglect the rhythm and the order of everything that we do on the stage right to make it a you know deeper more compelling movie Or do we just want to straight adapt it and just use the benefits of being a film to to further celebrate this this great Broadway play? And this felt like the latter where it was more, we're just going to straight adapt this and use some of the movie magic to make some of these scenes just that much more compelling. Yeah. Whereas you can think of other movies or like I even compare it to like when we've had like the Disney moves from the cartoons to the, the live, live action, action. Adap- sure. adaptions. Like you have two choices there, right? You can just shot for shot it basically a uh-huh. lot of beauty and the beast, or you can take it another direction, like a Mulan or something like that. And so um, that's actually a really good apt comparison that I think everybody can agree
0: with. Cause those are a little bit more populist. Those are a little bit more, everybody's watching them, but it is very much the, a similar difficulty in transitioning from a world you create on the stage into film and a world you create in animation into live action Mm -hmm. there are just rules there are just there is a it kind of goes back to how we were talking about infinite there is a psychological flow to the way movies are made that you have to tell the story in a proper way otherwise it's going to make people feel weird and for the most part i think in the heights does it pretty well. Uh we didn't mention that uh Lin Manuel is is in this movie. Yeah. Uh he plays the uh ice cold Piragua Piragua guy. Yeah. And I love that they brought in Christopher Jackson who plays uh George Washington in Hamilton. Yep. And played Benny in the Broadway version of In the Heights. He's the Mr. Softy guy. Like I did I do know enough about Broadway to be dangerous. So like the the guy um Pike Phillips, uh, the white guy mm-hmm. who's buying up, you know, parts of the yep. neighborhood. Yep. He's played by Patrick Page, who was in Hades Town. He played Hades in Hades Town, but more importantly, he originated the role of the Green Goblin in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, which will never not be one of my favorite things to reference. <laughs> the absolute batshit insanity that is Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. But yeah. but I I like that too. I like that there's As somebody who did not watch the original musical on Broadway, Mm -hmm. I thought this, I enjoyed this movie, you know, well enough. Like we said, it's not perfect,
1: but we enjoyed it well enough. One other other note that we haven't mentioned about this film, um, directed by John Chu. Yes. Who did Crazy Rich Asians. Yes. So, um, and Now You See Me, Gem and the Holograms, Mm -hmm. G.I. Joe Retaliation, Step Up 2 and Step Up 3D. Like, the so, guy can
0: choreograph.
1: He obviously is very good at choreographing things. Like, even if you think about something like Now You See Me, too, because it's all based around kind of magic, there's a lot of choreographing as far as what you're seeing on the screen and the order that you're seeing on it to yes. make it come off like a magic um, show. And his next project is Wicked, so obviously staying in that same realm. And Really? He, uh, yeah, he's, he's uh, slated to be the director of Wicked. Um, if, if, or when it gets uh, turned into a film, Interesting. That's what he's, uh, it's TBA. So well, they
0: did, they did say that in back in February, that news was broke.
1: Yeah. So um, obviously, I mean, I think you and I would both agree everything that he's done, you know, not that they're all our favorite movies, but he definitely knows what he's doing when it comes to choreography and, and kind of piecing things together yes. uh, with what he's directed, because I think that's one of the the strong points of this movie too. So, yeah. Um, oh yeah, we'll be interested to see the route that they go with something like Wicked um, for a feature film, because that's something that obviously is kind of a unique story. Obviously, has a ton of success on Broadway, but obviously the background of Wicked. <laughs> Has already been, you know, obviously with its ties to uh-huh. Wizard of Oz, started in film um, to a large degree. And so, it'll or at least a, really lot, a lot of people's experience with it is from film. So it'll be interesting to see how they adapt that and the route that they go with that.
0: Yeah, I'll be interested to see what that's like too. Cause that's another musical. I saw that at uh, Gamage and I knew the soundtrack and I knew everything. That, that's just, man broadway and stage shows can really be so cool and musicals really can be so cool and i am one i going back to what we talked about i am low-key a musicals guy for sure uh i had a good time with it so david all that being said let's give our popcorn ratings for in the heights what's that noise popcorn you making popcorn uh-huh i only eat popcorn at the movies I already talked about what those popcorn ratings are and and how we judge that. So what popcorn rating would you give in the Heights?
1: I'm going to give it movie theater popcorn. Okay. Um, I agree. I think if you're, if you enjoy a musical, um, I think you'll enjoy this movie. Like there's not really, you know, on a musical level, I think it's a solid film. It's I, I enjoyed my time. I didn't find myself being like, this is terrible. Um, the performances are all solid. I, I enjoyed the characters that are in there. I enjoy the music that was in there. And I think when I come to a musical, that's what I'm hoping for is songs that are catchy and that I enjoy and characters that, that do a good job in their roles and, and a story that works. And I think that all works in this film. If you don't like musicals, <laughs> you're probably either not going to like this or at a minimum, find it to be too long, which I would say was my only borderline nitpick is um, translating it onto film. It, it did feel a, a, a bit long for my yeah. taste, but other than that, I, I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Same here. Like I had a good time. I, I, I know we use the same words. Like I know we use the words vibrant and well-made and stuff like that, but it really is. It looks great. It sounds great. I still am listening to 96,000 on a loop on repeat. So if you, and, Again, if you don't like me, like if you abjectly do not like musicals, you don't need us to tell you that you are not going to like this musical. And some people don't like musicals and that's fine. But if you do have any type of inkling of, oh yeah, I enjoyed this musical or I enjoyed that musical. If you enjoyed Hamilton, but you don't know anything about In the Heights, give it a shot, give it, go watch it. And just as David said, as I said, we're both giving it movie theater popcorn because you should definitely Go see it in a movie theater. Support movie theaters right now when they need it more than ever. That is going to do it for us. But before we go, I want to remind you all again that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet just by hitting subscribe or hitting that follow button wherever you listen to us. So don't forget to hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review and share us with your other good movie buddies. Also, don't forget to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash The Popcorn Diet. Help a independent film podcast at a time where film needs all the support that it can get. Of course, don't forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time with another good movie on The Popcorn Diet. Adios.